This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. A good nerve, Shabbos. This is Chai FM. And we're here with you till 11 o'clock. And what a special time we're in indeed. This is the first Friday in the month of Adar. Month of Adar. The month of Purim. But this year it's a bit different. This year we have two Adars. That's how the Jewish leap year presents itself. And of all the months that God could have given us to be the extra month, he gave us a month of Adar. And Adar singles itself out in that Adar brings, generates, requires extra joy. Extra joy. This is a month of inner happiness, of making yourself happy, of making others happy. This is truly a unique month. Normally we get 30 days of joy. This year we have 60 days of joy. 60 days of joy? 60 days, 30 extra days of joy. Something amazing. Something indeed of an extra gift. You know, I remember the story with my uncle. My uncle years ago was in hospital and he didn't feel too happy about it. His mood wasn't great. And apparently the Rebbe would have his secretary call daily to find out how he's doing. And my cousin, his daughter, came to see the Rebbe. She was there from seminary in Israel. And before going back, she had the privilege of a private audience, a yechidus with the Rebbe. And she asked for blessings for her family and herself and for her father, who was then in the hospital. So the Rebbe asked her, how's his mood? And she didn't know what to say. And the Rebbe took out two dollars. He said, give this one to him, that if he'll give stalker, he'll give charity. It's a gift from me that he give it away to charity, and that will make him feel better. And the second dollar is for him to go and find somebody else, another Jew, who's also in the hospital, to find him and give him the dollar to give to Tzedakah, which again will generate a good feeling in your father. The Rebbe didn't have to explain. When one gives to another... Immediately there is joy. We are designed. We are structured that way. We are wired that way. That when we can give somebody something, we actually feel happy. It's part of our DNA. It's part of who we are. What's the best part of the story? There are great parts to this story. Number one, that the Rebbe was interested and had his secretary call on a daily basis. He cared. Love. Caring. Needs expression. We all care. 
but what do we do about it? Do we practically put into action those wonderful feelings? He asks the daughter, how is your father? And then he did another action. He said, for him and for another, two dollars. For him to give tzedakah and for someone else to give tzedakah. And we'll come back to this part of the story. But the best part of the story is the lesson that to give makes us happy. And to lie there and do nothing makes us miserable. And especially my uncle, Olava Shalom, he was a people's person. He loved talking. He loved giving advice. He loved being out there. How are we going to get him out there if he's in the hospital? But by divine providence, some he's in the hospital and somebody else is in the hospital. And we've got to use every opportunity that this scenario presents us with for mitzvahs, which bring us happiness. Let's reflect. What is our mission? What are we doing in this world? Why am I here? So often we ask ourselves, what in the world is my reason for being down here? There's so many challenges. There's so much pain and difficulty. Yes, there are high points. There's joy. But so much is a challenge. And so much is dark. What in the world is this about? We have to reflect on who we are. We are here to make this world, to prepare this world, to get this world ready, to be a home for God. We're here to make Him happy. We're here, here to give Him nachas. Can you imagine? What a privilege. I can make the creator of the world happy. And there's no greater joy, our sages say, than the removal of doubt. To answer that question, why am I here? And to know for sure that not one split second of my existence isn't part of the plan. Nothing is for nothing. Everything has a purpose and a meaning. And every crossroads, every choice I can make is absolutely valuable forever and ever. And we're told that this divine service needs to be permeated with joy. In other words, not just in this month of joy, but if do as Hashem besimcha, King David tells us in Tehillim, serve God with joy. They very often will do the job, but not with much passion, not with much happiness. The challenge is to do it with joy. Joy elevates, animates, adds energy, divine energy. And that's why it's so difficult very often. The Yetzir Hara, our evil inclination, the opposition knows that that's the key. 
that's the key to survival. Not only to survive, but to thrive. Not only to thrive, but to be a light unto others. For our children, biological and others, our spiritual children, to see that it can be done. The key is joy. That's the make or break. And that's why the Yetzirah put so much effort into kind of dumbing it down, making it ordinary. It's parav. It's not exciting. But it is exciting. At every second, God renews us, brings us into being. At every split second, he's next to us. But not just next to us that he came into our world. We're in his world. He is our world. And he constantly animates us, brings us into being for a great divine purpose and a particular personal purpose. After this short break, we'll explain it a bit better. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipska. Pick and pay. Pick and pay Hyper Norwood. They have these incredible savings, incredible specials just for you. Pick and pay Ukral Vors. Per kilo is a sizzling seventy nine ninety nine per kilo. Pick and pay kosher roasted barbecue chickens are a sizzling ninety two ninety nine per kilo. What about the pick and pay kosher bottomless brisket? Mouth watering at only a hundred and forty nine ninety nine per kilo. Pick and pay chocolate ginger slab cakes. They're a sweet nineteen ninety nine each. These specials are exclusive to Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood and only while the stocks last. Pick and Pay Norwood, the best place to shop when you want to buy a lot. I'm Ashi Lipsker. This is Chai FM. And it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Truma. It's the first Friday in the month of Adar, the month of joy. And the question is, what about the Parsha can make us happy? What is it in the Parsha that can add to our Simcha, not only now, but for always? So the Parsha begins with the words that we must bring Truma. What is Truma? Truma is an offering. Truma is a donation. In the beginning of this parsha, Hashem begins the parsha by listing his instructions about building the Mishkan, the tabernacle, the first home for God. And how does it start? With a list of materials that would be needed to build the Mishkan. And it also starts with explaining the purpose for which this Mishkan, which was the forerunner to the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, how, what was its purpose, how it would, what would be the result of bringing everything. And Hashem says, make for me a sanctuary so that I may dwell not in it, but in their midst. 
that the Jewish people should make for Hashem a mishkan. Ve'osuli mishkan v'shachanti b'soycham. If they make a sanctuary for me, I will dwell in them. Not in it, but in them. Well, the work of our hands to bring all of these materials, to make an effort to construct the Mishkan according to God's instructions, would result in God coming to dwell in them. In fact, Hasidic teaching explains that there are three types of sanctuaries that are inherent, that are included in this mitzvah. Of course, the physical mishkan that the Jews built in the desert. But then there's a personal inner sanctuary that each one of us has to build, construct out of our lives and out of our sphere of influence in the world. In other words, out of anything that God gave us or brings us, why did he gift us with these things? Why did he bring us the raw materials that we all are or that we all encounter? It is for the purpose of they must make me a sanctuary so that I may dwell in their midst. So there's that physical sanctuary that was built in the desert by the Jews. There's the personal sanctuary, the inner sanctuary that we need to build out of our lives and our sphere of influence in the world. And finally, the world, the world at large, that we are gifted with the task and responsibility to turn into a home for Hashem. Daunting, exciting, Incredible, incredible privilege. The good news is that in all three cases, how in the world are you going to make a sanctuary for God? In all three cases, there has to be a key. And this job, this task is only possible because we're just there not to create but to transform to reveal the hidden true nature of what we call reality. This entire world, everything in it, only exists because God's constantly bringing it into being. There's a divine energy pulsing within everything, within every tree, within every seed, within every mountain, within each one of us within everything that we encounter. So to make this world into a place where godliness is revealed, felt, experienced, it's just a matter of removing the obstacles, the obstructions that are hiding that reality. The same thing is true of our neshama, our divine soul. It's just to allow our inner selves to shine, you know, we accumulate so much excess baggage, material baggage, emotional baggage, attitudes, all kinds of things that the pure neshama that comes down into this world tends to attract, accumulate, invite, 
in our journey of life. And what we need to do is to allow our inner self, our true self, our essence to shine through all of that because we all have it. That's the real me. And so much gets in the way. But when we have a map, we have a plan, and we have an understanding of the goal, when we understand why we're in this world and what we need to do here and understand the obstacles as being all part of the challenge to make it real so that it isn't just something that's been given to us freely, but something we work for and appreciate. That's our gift to Hashem and to us. And there's nothing that makes us happier. In Ethics of Our Fathers, the question is asked, Ezehu Oshir, who is the rich person? And the answer is, Hasomeach Bechalkoi. He who is happy with his portion. What's my portion? Each one of us has been allotted a portion of life. Years, energy, talents, a place, parents, this body, these siblings, this spouse, that working partner, this child. That's my chalik. All of that has been allotted. It's a chalik. I didn't really work for it. I didn't really deserve it. And in many cases, I don't even want it. We waste our time when we yearn for someone else's body, parent, sibling, spouse, child, job. You know how much time we waste thinking if I was only taller, richer, shorter, if my nose was shorter, if my ears were flatter, if my hair was more manageable, if my chin had a bit of definition. Why was I born in China? Had I only been born in America? You know, if only I could sing, dance, draw, fly, run. Basically, we spend so much time frittering precious time and energy away because we're thinking, imagining, instead of doing and living. We need to embrace who we are. We are made in heaven. You know, when I was growing up, if something was made in Japan, it was considered cheap. Today, if it says made in China, it can be cheap, it can be not cheap. By divine providence, I and my circumstances are made in heaven. And I and my circumstances are tailor-made. It's a perfect fit. Ani loini vresi ela lishamesh es koini. The only reason we've been created, our sages tell us, is to serve our creator. Be yourself, be your inner self, be your godly self, be happy. This is a month of incredible, incredible opportunity. We're told that the mazel, the astrological sign, the energy of Yidden, of Jews in this month, is a healthy, successful energy. 
the month of Adar is a month matzliach, a successful month. Our mazel is bari umatzliach. And this year, we've got it for 60 days because we've got two Adars. So what do we do? Make yourself and others happy. In a practical sense, the Rebbe says the husband should make his wife happy. Parents should add in making their children happy, which gives us the foregone assumption that parents make their children happy. The parents should add in making their children happy with things that make children happy according to their nature. Because, he says, that is what our code of law, our Shulchan Aruch, has paskened, has established as the law. And he says, you know, think about it. When a father will make his children happy, and the children really see it, he, the kids are happy. So sometimes the kids get even happier, says the Rebbe, because they see that sometimes their father can be strict with them. He wants to guide and educate them, and therefore he can say a strict word to them. But when they see that he goes out of his way to make them happy, it says they see how much he really loves them. And then the Rebbe says, not only to make your wife happy and your children happy, but go out of your way to make other Yidden happy. Those who Hashem brings into your space, the Yidden around you. He says, if you do this, you become a Ben Oilam Haba and a Ben Oilam Hazeh. You are tapping into the actual reason that you have been born. You are here to connect heaven and earth. You live in both worlds, and you live in them fully. It's another amazing thing we need to go to then, and that is, what else brings people happiness? Obviously, we look around, we see the needs of people, but a person is physical, a person is emotional, a person is spiritual, a person is mental, a person is social, a person is verbal. What's the most important part of the person? Well, the most obvious part, if you see a poor man, feed him, clothe him. Don't turn your eyes away when you see the needs of your brother. But then the Rebbe points out a marvelous thing. He says, when a Jew does a mitzvah even once, no more than once, to Hashem above, it's an eternal thing that Hashem enjoys, plays with this mitzvah forever and ever and ever. Because we are in a world of time and space, limited time and space, we don't realize that our good deeds, our mitzvahs, each one of them is eternal. 
and God is above time and space. So to him, everything good we ever did is like we did it right now. And not only that, but every good thing we do spreads out to the entire world like a butterfly flapping its wings at one end of the world and causing a tsunami in the other end of the world, a good tsunami, a tsunami of love and purpose and passion and sensitivity. We don't realize that the mitzvahs we do not only sensitize us, but sensitize others, even if they're far away from us. But let's remember, because we are living at the same time, in the same community, we become a soul group. And what one does affects the other. And we affect all of creation and the entire world. It's a daunting thought. Mitzvahs are like diamonds. They're forever. And they're everywhere. A good morning, a smile, a coin, a phone call, a mitzvah. Tefillin once. Getting someone to light Shabbos candles in the right time with the right bracha. Even once. Is eternal. And Hashem has so much joy that he repays the one who has inspired the mitzvah as well as the person who's done the mitzvah. It's forever. We can't do better than that. And so the parshas that we read now point out some incredible things to us. How do we build a sanctuary for God? How do we build a sanctuary in our own lives, in our own hearts? Let's look at the sequence of the last few parshas. We know that the book of Breshit has 12 parshiot about the beginning, about our history, our family, who we are, what they did. And then the book of Shmois Exodus Descent into Egypt, slavery, ultimately redemption, crossing of the Red Sea, receiving the Torah at Sinai. And of course, last week, the laws. This week, to build the sanctuary. What is the connection between all of them? Is there a connection? There certainly is. There's actually... The idea that one supports and leads to the next. It's a continuum. So let's look then at the last few parshas. The splitting of the sea, Torah at Sinai, Revelation, the laws in parshas Mishpatim. Amazing stuff. And they do connect all the way to the beginning of time and to the end of time. Because at the very beginning of the book of Breshit, the book of Genesis, for a brief time, God was in this world, open, revealed. Everything and everyone was aware of the Creator. Through seven transgressions, beginning with Adam and Eve eating from the tree of knowledge between good and evil, the Shechina retreated. God's presence 
God's revelation, God's light, God's indwelling moved from earth to heaven. And subsequently, six more transgressions caused him to retreat from heaven, one to two, from two to three, from three to four, till he was far away in heaven seven. And his divinity wasn't perceived, sensed easily on earth. The the world became a dense place. The world became a place of idol worship, a place of violence, a place of inconsideration, a place that had no revelation of godliness until Abraham arose and changed that. And from Abraham to Yitzchak, to Yaakov, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and eventually Moshe was number seven. And Moshe merited to bring the Shechina back to earth. After this break, we'll talk about that. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. We're talking about the month of Adar, which is the month of joy. It's a month that is healthy, a month that is full of possibility. It is a month of incredible, incredible success. We're talking about making others happy in this month, bringing ourselves the greatest happiness by giving it away to others. We're speaking what the law requires. And interestingly, the law is there to make us happy to make us secure, to make us focused, to show us the way to do the will of God and to make us grow. Incredible. Restriction makes you grow. Boundaries makes you grow. It's an incredible, incredible thought. At this time, we're reading a Parsha, which speaks about building a tabernacle, a home for God in this world. And that follows on from several parshas before. But we were talking about God being revealed. Hishrina was palpable, perceptible in Gan Eden, in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, until Asin and six more banished the presence of God from this world. Further and further. And then seven righteous people arose and step by step brought the Shekhinah back. But it was Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, our teacher, who brought it back to earth. Where? When? Well, the first time, we're told, was at the splitting of the sea. That when the sea split, it became obvious that only God is the creator of everything On a constant basis, everything was clear. But when the waters closed and began to flow again, that was no longer seen. The second time was at Sinai, when God himself came down on the mountain. And everything saw, everything froze. No bird chirped, no cow lowed. The angels stopped singing. The rivers stopped flowing. But again, when God withdrew his presence, life continued. The good news is 
that after each of these situations, each of these revelations, where incredible, incredible miracles were seen, incredible insight was gained, incredible revelation, there was some sort of effect. At Sinai, there was the effect that the rules, the goalposts had changed. Whereas previously, heaven was heaven, earth was earth. Now began an era of where heaven and earth could merge. They could combine. They could live together. But when God removed his presence, everything went back to being the way it was. But then Hashem gave Moshe the mitzvah that the people should build for him a sanctuary. And here, a revolutionary idea came into place, and that is, whatever we would do, we would give, we would build, would remain forever. Little by little, each person with his chalik, with his portion, would change reality to unite heaven and earth, to reveal heaven that is on earth in every object, in every interaction. It began with the building of the Mishkan to take physical things like gold, silver, copper, wool, and skins, planks, and incense, and use all of this Fabrics, stones, minerals. Take everything and ultimately a service of God from inanimate plant life, animal life. Man would be able to elevate, to reveal the godliness in everything. But it was through the work of man's hands. And the holiness of the Mishkan that was constructed is eternal. The Mishkan was never destroyed. The Mishkan intact was hidden in the mazes under the Temple Mount. Everything that a Jew does, every good deed that is done, is eternal, is intact, is forever. Bit by bit, each one of us in our chalik is preparing this world to be a dwelling place for God. You're rich. I'm rich. When I realize that the gold is buried right here, I don't have to travel anywhere else, not in imagination and not in reality, because I possess everything I need in order to be really happy. It's to get down to work with who I am, and look around and see whom can I benefit. Make your wife happy. Extra happy in the month of Adar. Make your children happy. Extra happy in the month of Adar. Make another person happy. Make yourself happy. This is my portion. This is the person I married. This is the person with whom I work. This is the person who lives next door. All by divine providence. This is the poor man 
whom I can help. This is the downtrodden person who needs uplifting. I don't have to look further. This is my chalik. This is as it is. And for me now to transform, to reveal the godliness in that particular person, place, or thing because it's been brought to me. It's my chalik. There's a beautiful connection between the giving of the Torah the laws and the Mishkan, three parshas, parshas Yisroi, where the Torah was given, parshas Mishpatim, where the daily laws to live by were listed, and parshas Truma, to build a Mishkan. Basically, at Sinai, we got the power. The power was given to transform this world into a dwelling place. And Parshas Mishpatim, in Moshe teaching us the laws to live by, he was telling us how on a daily basis can we make this world into a dwelling place for God. When we interact with our fellow in a right way, in a proper way, in a kind way, in a just way, there's a rule. And we follow it through that. On a daily basis, the result then will be Truma, the Mishkan. The Mishkan, where God came to dwell, where he vested his full holy presence. That is the result. We have the power. We have the daily map. And we are assured that we will have the result. And it's wonderful to know that Jewish women are, in a sense, like a priestess in the sanctuary in the Mishkan, because every Jewish home is a miniature sanctuary. Who creates, who takes care of, who brings the atmosphere and guards the rules of the Holy Temple, which is the Jewish home? Well, what's the framework? Again, let's look at the three parshas. The giving of the Torah, the Jewish mother, Jewish women are, are especially, especially cut out to teach. By example, permeated with love. The education to be connected to God through his Torah, through his mitzvahs. That's the framework to attract God's presence. That has been given to women. Women have the gift to be nurturers and to nurture the body and the soul with gentleness, with care. And in Parshas Mishpatim, the Parsha begins with if one should buy a servant. The idea of a servant, that we be diligent in our divine service, we be devoted, we be dedicated We have the capacity because ultimately the world does become a dwelling place for God. In other words, it becomes a home away from heaven and it's where he yearns to be and it is we that he has entrusted to create the place that the Shekhinah can be revealed. 
that's an incredible, incredible privilege. The privilege never leaves us, and therefore the joy never leaves us. It's incredible. We have such power. We have such incredible, incredible ability. Question is, can we stay focused? When we get interference from the Yetzirah, who doesn't want us? Well, inside he does want us to succeed, but his job is actually to block us, to stop us. That's his job. So I want to share two lessons in love before we finish today. And the first one, when we speak about love and we speak about relationships, let's see what we can learn from the relationship between the Rebbe and the Rebbetson. The Rebbetson's yard site was last week, and the story is told that she was suffering from an eye ailment. And the Chassid who arranged for her to see a specialist asked her, did you ask the Rebbe for a bracha, for a blessing? No, I didn't, she responded. But Rebetzin, he said respectfully, people write to your husband from around the world. Everybody wants his blessing. Why don't you do the same? And the Rebetzin replied simply, I don't want him to worry. That's the first part of the story. Think about it. A wife who is so sensitive to the needs of her husband that she doesn't want him to worry and doesn't ask the Rebbe for a blessing for herself for her eye ailment. Next part of the story. So the Chassid decides he's going to tell the Rebbe. He's going to bring this matter to the Rebbe himself. He said, the Rebetzin has a problem with one of her eyes, and I've arranged for her to see a specialist. She doesn't want to mention it, because she doesn't want the Rebbe to be worried. So I want to ask the Rebbe for a bracha on her behalf. She doesn't want the Rebbe to be concerned, so I'm going to ask for the blessing. The Rebbe said... Listen to this. Thank you for letting me know her condition. I will pray for her. I'll offer a special prayer for her. But please don't mention to her that you told me. Because I don't want her to be upset. When you love someone and you care about someone, you're very, very careful about their feelings. You're very, very gentle. It's not just the things you say to them, but sometimes the things you don't say to them. Refining this world and making it into a dwelling place for God is an ongoing work that we have been told is nearly done. You don't know if the next mitzvah you do or the next kind word that you say is actually going to put it over the top. So what are we waiting for? Wishing you a joyous, strong, successful, and bright month of Adar. A joyous, wonderful Shabbos ahead in the month of Adar as we focus on creating 
a dwelling place for God in our hearts, in the world around us, which will ultimately, in a short while, lead to this entire world being transformed, being revealed as God's home. Good Shabbos.